from the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast. This is Ag Day. The battle for an essential element. 50 years down the road, unless we come up with solutions, farming won't be here. We head to Arizona, where the fight for water is at a critical level. Unprecedented protests. Zero COVID is going to be very difficult to sustain. Chinese people take to the streets as COVID lockdowns grow in the country. Sinking prices at the pump. We've got some commercial selling coming in. This tells us that the short-term supply and demand situation is loosening. How what's happening in China is impacting prices here at home. Right now on Agnet. Good morning, I'm Clinton Griffiths. We're finally seeing some relief at the pump, but diesel continues to be another story. According to AAA, the national average cost of a gallon of gas is now $3.55, but diesel prices, they remain elevated at $5.21 a gallon. Ag Day's Michelle Rook joins us with a look at what's driving prices right now. Clinton, global demand concerns have continued to press the crude oil market lower with West Texas intermediate prices hitting an 11-month low of 73.60 per barrel on Monday before rebounding. The question, though, is how long will these lower prices last? Market analysts say a combination of factors have pulled crude oil off highs hit earlier this year, including demand concerns tied to global recessionary fears and record COVID cases and lockdowns in China. You know, the COVID problems in, uh, in China, the 100%, you know, zero tolerance, uh, certainly weighing on crude oil. The thing is with crude oil, though, if we look at its long-term monthly chart, it's been in a downtrend since July. So, you know, all we're really doing right now is seeing an extension of that. But what's really been interesting is that we've got some commercial selling coming in. This tells us that the short-term supply and demand situation is loosening. The market is also watching as OPEC and its allies are due to make a big call on oil production this week with talk of increases as expanded sanctions are set to strike Russia's energy industry. I strongly doubt that OPEC is going to make production increases. It just doesn't seem uh, to fit the narrative, particularly with Russia still having such a strong vote in the OPEC+. Plus. The release of oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve has also eroded prices over the last few months, but one market watcher says that may be coming to an end. If we take that supply off and we are dealt with actual supply against actual demand, even with the lower demand side expectations that have been built in, we still would warrant a substantial repricing of, of crude oil prices higher to better reflect that. So Hackett thinks prices could move higher in the first quarter, especially if the administration replenishes the SPR. So he recommends end users like farmers line up some of their energy needs. Meanwhile, diesel prices have unfortunately not eased with logistics issues and competition for the home heating market. And Newsom is concerned the tight supply situation could be made even worse if there's a rail strike and the U.S. has to depend entirely on trucking for moving ag and other products. All right, thanks, Michelle. China weighing on markets to start the week with protesters erupting in major cities in China over President Xi Jinping's zero-tolerance approach to COVID-19, which is unprecedented in recent history. The demonstrators say they oppose China's repeat lockdowns and strict quarantines. Chinese state media calling the zero-COVID approach scientifically effective. Top U.S. health officials saying China's policy probably won't stop the spread of the virus. 
China has pursued a zero COVID strategy. Obviously, that is not our strategy. We don't think that's uh, realistic, uh, certainly not realistic for the American people. Our strategy has been build up immunity in the population by getting people vaccinated. That's how you manage an incredibly contagious uh, variant like Omicron. I think it's going to be very, very difficult for China to be able to contain this through their zero COVID strategy. Um, I would recommend that they pursue the strategy of making sure everybody gets vaccinated, particularly their elderly. That, I think, is the path out of this virus. Lockdowns and zero COVID is going to be very difficult to sustain. Health officials here also calling China's vaccination plan baffling, saying it doesn't focus on vulnerable populations or use the most effective vaccines. Mexico's president and U.S. Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack meeting to discuss the future of U.S. genetically modified corn shipments. The two sides meeting Monday. It comes after the Mexican government said it would phase out GMO corn by early 2024. That would cut Mexico's imports of U.S. yellow corn by half. Now, Mexico is our second largest export market. Mexican President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador pointing out in a news conference that his country is considering yellow corn for animal feed. Meanwhile, Secretary Vilsack has called for clarity on the ban. He has indicated the U.S. could use the U.S.-Mexico-Canada trade deal to challenge the ban if necessary. Ukraine's president is announcing a new effort to move grain to Africa. The Grain from Ukraine effort would aim to send up to 60 ships of grain to poor countries in Africa. Several countries, including the U.S. and Canada, are all committing financial resources and aid to the effort. The news coming as Reuters reports exports of Ukraine's grain will not reach 3 million tons this month, despite the Black Sea port deal being extended. Ukraine puts the blame on Russia's limiting of ship inspections at ports. There's a lot to watch weather-wise across the country, including snow in the northern plains, while the south could see severe weather. Meteorologist Andrew Whitmire joins us with the very latest. And this weather is all caused again by this strong cold front that's going to kind of plow its way through parts of the plains and then eventually arrive across the Midwest and Great Lakes states here as we go into this uh, Tuesday. And then once we get into Wednesday, this cold front is going to work its way all the way along the eastern coast. Uh, we are, we are going to be watching, though, that potential for some strong to severe thunderstorms down across parts of the deep south from Nashville, Memphis, down towards Jackson, even down towards uh, New Orleans. I happen to watch out for the potential here uh, for some strong uh, damaging uh, storms here uh, with damaging winds and even a tornado threat not out of the question. And as we take a look at that wind gust forecast, you can clearly see where that cold front is uh, throughout Tuesday morning right across the central plains, and that'll continue to march its way eastward, bringing with it a whole lot of wind, even some gusts up around 50 miles an hour for parts of the Great Lakes and upper portions there of the Midwestern states. Yields in the Fields on Ag Day is brought to you by Micro Essentials from Mosaic, the science of more. Discover our proven products. Text YIELDS to 31313. And checking those yields in the fields, this time for cotton. Ryan Spear of South Central Kansas reports he's seeing up to 1,050 pounds on dry land and up to 2,350 on irrigated. I'll warn your Ag Day forecast in just a few. Nebraska Ag officials say another 1.8 million chickens are being culled due to bird flu. The Nebraska Department of Ag reporting the state's 13th case of bird flu was found on an egg-laying farm in northeastern Nebraska's Dixon County. All of the chickens on the Nebraska farm are being killed to limit the spread of the disease. That outbreak has already prompted slaughter of more than 50 million birds nationwide. China's COVID protests pressuring grains here on Monday. We'll have details coming up in analysis. 
And later, good farms require good water. In Arizona, that's becoming a bigger challenge as some areas face continued drought. A closer look in the country. Wheat falling on Monday to the lowest level since late August on concerns about China. Michelle is back with more in today's analysis. Monday's market closes lower in the livestock mixed in the grains. Joining us with market analysis, Tom Fitzemeyer with Summit Commodity Brokerage. And the grains ended mixed, but uh, we were lower initially, Tom, on COVID concerns in China. What popped the soybean market back? Was that just export news or what? I don't know if that export inspections came in pretty much as expected. I think there was there were a couple things going on. One was that you saw a big reversal in the crude oil market that that brought bean oil back. So that's that that component of it. The other component of it was that you had a lot of strength in the meal market. You're starting to see some people worried about that dry weather in Argentina and the effect that it could have. Argentina exports the majority of their beans as as meal, they're a processing country. So when you see problems there, that pops the meal market. So the combination of the two products, I think are what really gave the, the soybeans quite a bit of strength. And then we went the opposite direction. So was that all technical selling? Because we had a pretty rough week last week. Yeah, I think, I think when you saw wheat drop under eight bucks, that really brought a lot of ne negativity into the wheat market. And you just saw follow through on that today. I mean, you're starting, you're continuing to see grain moving through the, the, the Black Sea ports, which is a bit negative. Um, there seems to be adequate supplies. Having said all that, we are approaching the point where wheat is just barely becoming competitive with corn. And I don't think we can afford, we don't have enough wheat domestically for that to, to happen. So I, I think you're going to start to see fairly good support in the wheat market at 750 or so or and lower. Yeah. Although export inspections weren't that great for either corn or wheat, which uh, played a role, but corn almost looked like it was kind of stuck between uh, soybeans going higher and wheat going the opposite direction. Well, when you aren't selling corn, you can't inspect very many. <laughs> so, I mean, export sales are terrible, and so we're not shipping very many of them. I mean, it's kind of, kind of a, to be expected, really. Yeah, export uh, inspections are way low. It, do you anticipate that'll improve, though? as we get into maybe the first part of the year or not? Well, if sales do, then I think you can see export. And we're anticipating that, you know, we, we, we have, we've been the supplier of last resort up to this point because the South Americans have had more than we expected them to have. And when we've seen fairly good movement out of the Black Sea region. Now, after the first of the year, the Black Sea is probably going to continue to flow. Uh, okay. But the South Americans are going to be out, out, out of product, and, and we should see our exports pick up, and thus you see inspections pick up. All right. Thanks so much for joining us. Tom Fitzmer with Summit Commodity Brokerage. More Ag Day coming up. Meteorologist Andrew Whitmire joining us here, taking a look at our uh, severe weather chances for some parts of the country. And I think it was about a year ago that we had an outbreak of tornadoes in December uh, that kind of went through the south and mid-south. Yes, and this time here we're watching right as we uh, get ready to flip that calendar over to December. We're watching again that red shaded area for a tornado risk and damaging wind stretch uh, from uh, Nashville 
all the way down to even New Orleans are going to be under the threat there for severe weather on this Tuesday. And outside of the tornado threat and damaging wind threat here across the parts of the Tennessee River Valley down towards the deep south, we're also going to be watching for the potential for some hail as well as for some soaking rains over the uh, severe weather does decide to set up. And let's kind of walk through this setup here. We've got this very powerful cold front moving through. Notice how we're likely to have snowfall up across parts of the Twin Cities, the upper portions there of the Midwest. Meanwhile, watching kind of this dry line ahead of that cold front, and that's going to help spark again these showers and thunderstorms. And we're going to be watching for numerous storms to likely become severe with, again, severe thunderstorms and even tornadoes certainly possible. And once we get into Tuesday night and Wednesday morning, we'll see that cold front beginning to march its way eastward. High pressure builds in on the back side of that. But notice how we still stay active even into Georgia and even parts of the Carolinas. I uh, happen to watch out for some severe weather here even as we go into a uh, midweek and then eventually once we head on into a uh, Wednesday night that cold front kind of reaches the eastern seaboard and that'll kind of shut off the severe weather threat uh, down across parts of the south with high pressure moving on it. Meanwhile, across the Pacific Northwest, we'll be watching kind of a cold front bringing with it active weather uh, to parts of uh, the Washington areas and near Mountain West areas uh, with which uh, could bring with it additional snowfall and some pockets of heavier rain to parts of those areas. Here's a look at that rainfall down across parts of the deep south though here all the way through Thursday. We're going to be watching for heavy pockets of uh, rain with those showers and thunderstorms and then again kind of a wintry system on the northern side of that as well with even a little bit of snowfall could be expected across the uh, Twin Cities. And here's a look at that cold front Tuesday morning. Again, it's kind of shaped right around the central plains and that will continue to work its way with the wind speeds further off uh, towards the east. And uh, kind of here's a look at the cold front. 38 in Omaha, meanwhile 63 down into St. Louis, 80 down in New Orleans, and as that cold front marches its way eastward, we're going to see kind of that colder air beginning to work its way in by Wednesday morning. That's a look around the country. Now let's take a look closer to home on your Ag Day Select Cities. Oxford, Mississippi, watching for severe thunderstorms likely later on tonight, going up to Wisconsin, periods of snow high around freezing, and going over to Wyoming, snow likely high 12 degrees. Ag Day, brought to you by Rumenson. Rumenson's quality, consistency, and efficiency make it the right choice for your cattle operation. Rumenson, trusted by generations. USDA is holding its food price inflation outlook at lofty levels. The consumer price index for all food this year is forecast to rise by up to 10.5%. While food bought at the grocery store, it's predicted to climb up to 12%. One of the areas where USDA trimmed its forecast for this year, dairy prices. They are now seen up 11.5 to 12.5%. That's compared with 12 to 13% in the October forecast. But the agency is keeping with its forecast for all food prices to rise next year 3 to 4%. Meanwhile, the holidays are always big for dairy demand. However, its prices, not just butter, softening going into Thanksgiving week. A lack of buyer interest saw December class three milk continue its slide, now 2015 per hundred. That's nearly $1.50 lower than its peak in mid-November. Class four futures prices are also nearly a dollar lower. Editors over at dairyherd.com posting a story on expectations for 2023, saying margins are expected to tighten into the year ahead. You can read more at dairyherd.com. 
Well, dairies, they do need water to make milk. Up next, the challenges facing farmers and residents in Arizona amid an ongoing drought in the country. And how great would these things look under the Christmas tree? Sign up now to enter the Case IH Holiday Giveaway. Each winner will get a Case IH prize pack, and one lucky winner will be drawn each day from Monday, December 19th through Friday, December 23rd. We'll announce those winners right here on Ag Day. Then the grand prize winner will be announced on U.S. Farm Report on Christmas Eve, and we'll receive a Farmall Seed Pedal Tractor. To enter, head over to the website on your screen, caseihholidaygiveaway.com. Farmer to Farmer, the Conservation at Work video series features real stories, real successes, real quick. See what's possible at farmers.gov conservation. The West is continuing to experience the worst drought in 1,200 years. The Colorado River at record lows, threatening the lives and livelihoods of 40 million people who rely on that river for water. Reporter Lucy Kafanoff traveled to Arizona, where some communities are feeling the effects. This picture-perfect but parched corner of Arizona is the Rio Verde foothills, an unincorporated expanse of upscale homes and sprawling ranches about an hour's drive from downtown Phoenix. Under here is a 5,000-gallon water tank. Karen Nabity loved her little slice of paradise until it began to run dry. What keeps you up at night? Water, water, water. Neighbors' wells have begun to dry up, others harvesting rainwater as an extra buffer. This is the stockpile that's about to go into the house to be used to flush our toilets. Many homeowners rely on private water deliveries from nearby Scottsdale, which no longer has enough to spare. So come January 1st, we're done. Last November, Scottsdale informed water hauling companies that starting in 2023, they could no longer buy Scottsdale water to deliver outside city limits, including the Rio Verde foothills. The man delivering the water, and more recently the bad news, is John Hornower. There's no question about it, the drought is reality. Rio Verde is the first domino to fall because of the drought that we're in. Are people taking it seriously enough? They're not. Water is more precious than you realize, and once you go to your faucet and you turn it on, there's no water, <laughs> then its value becomes real. Across swaths of urban Arizona, signs of drought aren't immediately obvious. As the taps run dry, developers keep building. This is a symbol of the massive growth of Maricopa County. Maricopa County, which includes the Rio Verde foothills, is the fastest growing in the nation, adding more residents last year than any other county. But as cities boom, the drought pushes Arizona farmers to the brink. Thanks to the Colorado River, Pinal County is, or at least was, one of the most productive farming regions in the United States. The crops grown here are shipped all over the country. But as the mega drought continues to worsen and water supplies like this dry up, the farmers here fear their fertile fields could become desert again. Once we hit tier two shortage, we lost all of our water. For three generations, Will Thielander's family has tilled the soil in Pinal County, an hour's drive south of Phoenix. So we're looking at where I grew corn uh, last year, but we didn't have enough water, so field sits empty. 50% of my farm is fallow now. And that's a big economic hit. Yeah. Neighboring farms have folded up. Others have sold their land to solar companies and developers. Do you fear that the future of farming in Arizona is under threat? Yeah. 
no one can produce it like the Colorado River can for food. So yeah, I'm really worried. 50 years down the road, unless we come up with solutions, farming won't be here. To survive, Thielander is placing his hope on a new crop. We're looking at a plant called Waiuli. A drought-resistant desert shrub that produces natural rubber for tires while using a fraction of the water. But he wants politicians to listen up. People just keep saying, oh, we'll pump some water. What happens in 50 years? What happens to people's kids and grandkids? And where's all the food come? Just kicking the can down the road and hoping for the best is what everyone seems to be doing, I don't think is a path for success. Back in the foothills, residents see their plight as a warning to others. America, wake up for the folks that are sitting there and surrounded by water and have great wells in other states and that kind of thing. Don't think you're not going to be affected. All right, thanks, Lucy. And that's all the time we have this morning. I'm sure glad you tuned in. From all of us here at Ag Day, I'm Clinton Griffiths. Have a great day.